My name is Taryn Riddle. I am the founder of Yisman and a second year student at Harvard and Chizugo's friend. And you are listening to the Kuriri Podcast. So hi, Taryn. Thank you again for joining us today and speaking to us about your impact journey, about your work with Yusmoon, and basically about like your life even as a student at Harvard University. And we're very excited to learn more about you and everything that you've achieved and everything you hope to achieve. The first question that we usually ask is about our guests. So we'd like to know a bit more about you. Who is Taryn Riddle? Thank you, Chizulu. Um, that's, um, that's an interesting question because I feel like it's something everyone is still trying to figure out. Um, you know, on the surface level, I could say that I am, I'm 20 years old. I am a second year student at Harvard University, getting my undergraduate degree right now. Um, I originally grew up in Dallas, Texas, and um, now I've been in Boston for the past two years studying in college. I'm pursuing degrees in economics and in South Asian studies. I'm also interested in environmental science just because of how it relates to the sustainable development goals. And I really love learning languages. So I love studying Hindi, Urdu, and Arabic. Um, so I guess that's who I am on a surface level. Beyond that, I would describe myself as someone who loves to travel, who loves meeting people from all over the world who will always try a new kind of food that I haven't heard of before, will always go to a new restaurant. I'm definitely a foodie. Um, and I really like spending out time outdoors too. I really also enjoy spending time with my family. I go home every chance I get, which is hard because Texas is a five hour flight away um, from Boston. Even though they're both in the US, it's a lot farther than I thought. So I can only go home every few months, but I enjoy it. Yes. Thank you so much for doing that like nice introduction of yourself. Um, I met you, I think, in 2020 when I joined um, the team of your impact project. And Taryn started the Youth International Summit Model UN Conference. Could you just tell us a bit about what that was? How did you start it? Where did the idea come from? Because I know that one of the reasons that you started it, and I'm sure you speak more about this, was because you were sort of like not really doing anything during that long stretch of the pandemic when schools were out and basically everyone was stuck at home. But could you just tell us a bit more about Yisman? Yeah, absolutely. So Yisman is my social impact project. It stands for Youth International Summit Model UN. And it did start in spring 2020 along with the pandemic. So in high school, I was someone who really enjoyed Model UN. My high school had a very small Model UN team, so we didn't mm -hmm. really get to travel or compete a lot or really um, like, or really get to meet other students in MUN. Um, instead, a lot of my time as a social chair, as a research officer, and for my last two years of high school as president of my MUN team, a lot of my time was spent just training new delegates, um, recruiting students to join the team, trying to work with our school administration to get more resources, more funding, more access to conferences, and manage things like that. And I discovered through that that I really enjoyed organizing conferences and running the team compared to competing and delegating. So I was actually in the process of planning a local conference for my high school um, 
at the beginning of 2020. It was going to be a conference in early April. I had coordinated with my school administration to invite students from around the district. They were providing us with free food, a venue. It was going to be fantastic. And so then when the pandemic started and everything shut down, I was so disappointed that this had been canceled. And so I, my thought was, well, everyone around the world has had to shift their education online. Everyone is using platforms like Zoom, like Canvas, like Google, like everything. So why not apply Model UN to these platforms as well? And so I started looking into it, making some connections in May and June. Um, I essentially transferred the work I was already doing um, to organize my school's conference into an online international conference. And at first I thought it might be difficult to expand it internationally, to make it so large, um, to reach as many countries as I could, which that was my goal. But it ended up being much easier than I thought. I found that in starting, sorry, an impact project, um, the most difficult part is that initial like outreach, the initial getting started part of it. You need to have like, a critical number of individuals in your team, in your leadership, your core leadership part, to really be able to expand and grow your organization. So for me, it started out as creating an mm -hmm. Instagram account, creating some branding, some marketing with Yisman, creating a recognizable logo, putting pictures of myself, being friendly and personable, introducing myself on the pages, and then leveraging that to reach mm -hmm. out to as many student advocacy groups, Model UN groups, student clubs, university clubs. I reached out to everyone. I tried through email, I tried through Instagram, and a lot of the times I would reach out to 10 people and get one response. And sometimes that response was a yes, sometimes it was a maybe, and sometimes it didn't work out. But each yes can get you so incredibly far. And that's essentially how Yesman picked up steam. Our first major conference was June 2020. We had, um, I think, maybe 60 students from around 12 countries attend. And I was so beyond excited to have, just to host the first conference and to have that many there have that many countries represented and um, I continued working on building the staff um, adjusting things I think it's really important also when you begin an impact project to have a lot of small trial runs so at the beginning of Yisman I did a conference in June 2020 I did one in July 2020 I did one in late August early September I did one in October November and so they were very close together so very small very tight turnaround and because of this, we were able to learn and adjust mm -hmm. very quickly, very effectively for, with trial and error. We knew what worked and what didn't when it was on a small scale and easier to manage. So then by that next year in 2021, mm -hmm. we had um, only two major conferences. And these were like four to six months apart. And these major conferences, they were, they were a lot more well-organized um, by that time, the staff had been through at least a few conferences for each person and were very familiar with how Yisman worked. Mm -hmm. um, and we had also reached a certain size 
to where the conference began to spread on its own. So more and more students were finding out about Yisman just because their friends were doing it, just because they found it on Instagram. It was not active outreach on our part. So once you get past that critical point, your organization will expand and grow by itself. Mm -hmm. And that's also when we started kind of responding to, I guess, some market demand that we saw for like career workshops, connections, um, college application workshop sessions. Um, and by our eighth Yes, month, yeah. we were able to expand to 120 countries and had reached several thousand students. Wow. So it, it worked out very well. It was it was a fantastic project to work on. Yeah, you, you said like a lot of important points and I hope that a lot the listeners um, take a lot of notes from what you've mentioned. You talked about how um, the initial outreach and building a community for Yismun was very difficult. And you you got a lot of no's, you got a lot of maybes, you got some yeses, but you still kept going and you still kept trying to just make sure that people heard about Yismun, people knew what it was about and people sort of engaged with the conference. And I hope that this is like a note for people who um, maybe want to start their own social impact projects but finding it a bit difficult because may- maybe certain people or maybe they're not getting as much traction as they thought they would. Um, and I think that's, that, that's a very good note for anyone listening. And you also spoke about how you had a lot of trial runs. And that is another thing that's really important. Um, it's important to test things out. And for a conference like Model U, um, for, for a Model UN conference, you won't be able to get everything right the first time. It's by constantly doing it, you'll be able to learn from your mistakes, learn certain things that you need to work on. That You mentioned something about how you did trial runs and you were able to adapt and change what you had done in the past with the smaller conferences to make sure that when you expanded and when you brought in more students into the conference, it ran smoothly. So I think that that's another important thing for any young person on working on a social impact project to note as well, that you need to be able to adapt and change and recognize what is not working with your project, what is working with your project and all of that. So yeah, thank you again for just telling us more about East Moon, how you started um, your vision for it and all of that. I think you sort of answered this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, apart from like, some of your struggles with building a community at the beginning of East Moon. What other thing do you think was like your biggest setback concerning East Moon? So, and how did you solve that setback? How were you able to like rise from it? Okay. I would describe the challenges and setbacks from Yisma as um, numerous and small. There were like a lot of small challenges in every direction. And they all kind of needed different approaches, different solutions. I think mm. maybe the largest or like the or the most difficult overall challenge was coordinating a staff leadership team. Um, something that I personally struggled with with Yisman was the sense that if I were not there in a leadership position, I felt like it would not run together because mm-hmm. I would always, I mean, as secretary general, as executive director, as founder of something, you are the person responsible at the end of the day, which means, you know, when there's success, you get to enjoy that success and be proud of your accomplishments. But when there's challenges, when there's failures, people look to you because it's mm-hmm. your responsibility and it's your liability. 
So I think the hardest part for me was trying to structure a staff to build a leadership team, to build different, like to delegate different jobs to different people so that Yisman was more self-sustaining and not dependent on one person, on, on me texting people, hey, have you done this? Or what's the updates on this? And I think that's difficult for really any organization. It kind of, that transformation from being as an individual with a project to yeah. being as someone who created like an institution or a concept or like an organization yeah. that other people can plug in their skills to and learn through that. And the more effective your leadership team is, the better able you are to address those smaller challenges, some of which mm -hmm. were like, you know, security in our Zoom meetings. We had, you know, sometimes random people come into uh, like Yisman Zoom meetings at the conferences and just be very disruptive and purposely try to mess with it. There was several incidences of bullying, racism, sexism mm -hmm. that as a leadership team, you have to address and make your make sure that your delegates, your attendees feel that their concerns are valid and yeah. addressed. Um, there's also challenges like like dealing with um, net like network and technology disparities. Everyone around the world has access to different technologies, whether that's laptops, iPhones, community computers or libraries everyone has different wi-fi mm -hmm. network access um and then not to mention time zones that's another challenge you have to get around mm -hmm. i found it very difficult to recruit staff members in the u.s particularly on the west coast because to accommodate time zones in asia south asia east asia and australia mm -hmm. whose time zones are at least 12 hours ahead of the u.s you have to have it very early in the morning so for me Every Yisman conference started at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. It was a very mm -hmm. early morning. Mm -hmm. um, and I was okay with that. But, you know, if this is something you're new to, it can, be, it can be hard to, you know, incentivize people. You should join this conference. And then they find out, oh, I have to wake up at 5 a.m. I don't want to do that. But you have to kind of pick and choose your, your battles in that sense. In, in that case, it was up to, like, my judgment as to do I adjust the time zone to accommodate students from the U.S. or what do I do? But when, you know, that's where you take your, at your own discretion, I, you may have to make a decision based on the data you have. So in that case, I stepped back, looked at my student attendance, looked at where people were coming from. We had the most attendance from Nigeria, India, Pakistan, Indonesia, Turkey, um, where else? We had a lot of students from from Egypt, from we had a few from Greece. Um, so I realized that a lot of these countries are kind of concentrated in the Middle East, Asia, um, African from African time zones to East Asian time zones, and it made sense to accommodate Yisman conference times to times that worked most reasonably for them. So because of that, you I I decided to keep the time zones as they were, and it ended up paying off. So that's just like a little snapshot of just how you have to be able to deal with challenges, both in running a team and in making decisions for an organization. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I think I learned a lot as well. And one of the things that really stood out to me, what you said was picking and choosing your battles, because there will definitely be times where you cannot change certain things like certain things cannot be sort of like as i said changed or altered to fit what you want so 
when you are faced with those challenges, it's important that you sort of are able to adapt. Again, going back to the previous point you made, you're able to adapt and you're able to figure out, okay, if this doesn't work, I have to continue with this for the success of, in your case, the conference or for the success of my impact project. And yeah, thank you again for that comment. But now looking at the flip side, um, as you said, Yusmoon was able to connect with students from all over the world. But beyond that, what do you think was like your greatest success from Yusmoon? What, what was one thing that happened that you were like, oh, wow, okay, so I did that, the team did that, I'm very proud of us, like pat on, pat on the back sort of moments? That's a hard question because I truly feel like Yesman had a lot of those moments. That's what kept me going for so many years. That's the reason it was truly so impactful and rewarding, I felt, not just for me, but for everyone. I would say a top one is definitely the one you just mentioned. It was beyond my expectations to reach students from over 120 countries. And I guess I had this underlying expectations that, oh, I might only be able to reach students who lived in countries that had good relationships with the US or lived in countries where everyone universally has laptops and iPhones at school all the time, where um, like where wealth and GDP per capita is similar to the US. And that proved not to be true at all. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to reach students in Afghanistan and Iran and Russia when those, like the foreign policy between US and all of those countries is far from friendly at the moment. And that was a real, like, just like, wow moment for me, knowing that I could connect with the next generation of leaders in Russia, in Iran and in Afghanistan who would transform their country's relationships with other countries and would transform the future of foreign policy. And building that, that culture of, um, of friendliness, of negotiation and diplomacy and working towards a better, more innovative and um, just human rights and global improvement kind of centered values. That was something I saw in all of these students, this ambition to succeed in their futures, to go beyond what was expected of them. I saw that also in countries that had recently gained independence mm -hmm. or who were very small and might not even have a say at the UN. Um, we had delegates from East Timor, which you might know recently gained independence from Indonesia and, and the, in Southeast Asia. and. Um, if you were in a UN conference or even in maybe a Harvard mm -hmm. model UN conference or some of these larger ones, you would not get representation from East Timor. You might not get representation from what were some other countries, um, many parts of Sub-Saharan Africa as well. We had delegates from Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, um, Lesotho. Like it was incredible to see because these delegates brought such well-rounded and such new perspectives to the conference. And that was something that felt like such a win, both for all of the delegates in the conference as a whole, mm -hmm. and for these delegates representing their countries, their perspectives, and their ambitions. I'll also add that one other pat on the back point, or just one other success of Yesman, I feel like, mm -hmm. was a very specific message that I remember I received through Instagram from a delegate from Indonesia. 
And um, she was brand new to Model UN. She just joined one of our conferences. She was a high school student. And she messaged me and said, Taryn, thank you so much for hosting this conference. I'm so excited I found this because it's really hard to find opportunities that are so empowering to women like this in, in Indonesia. I feel like it's hard to succeed in, like the, in my school clubs. And I just feel like I'm not very supported. And your team is all of these women, all of these female students, and you're running this. Mm -hmm. And it's really mm -hmm. inspiring to me. And I had never even considered that, how impactful that running a team of 75% women on leadership would, would be for a student across the world. So sorry, a bit of a long answer, but there are just lots of exciting things I remember from that. Yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, it's like, it was good to like hear all that you were able to achieve through Youthspoon. And I'm sure it would be a source of like inspiration for anybody who wants to take a social impact path because it's very difficult. So knowing that you were able to achieve so much, but also like get that message from that young girl in Indonesia who was impacted by your organization for something that you didn't really realize or didn't really recognize at first is very inspiring. So yeah, thank you for sharing for sharing that. Um, and I guess we, we can move on to the next question now, which again is about East Moon. And um, I would like to know, and I'm sure other people listening would also like to know what advice you'd have for like 2020 Taryn when you just started off. Um, what thing, if you could go back in time, what thing would you tell like Taryn when she started East Moon? That's a really good question. There's, I would write myself a whole book of advice, what to do different, how to, <laughs> how to improve. Um, mm -hmm. I would say though, that the first piece of advice I would give myself is to not hold back from the experience. Um, if you wait until you feel like you know enough or you've prepared enough or you have talked to enough teachers or administrators mm -hmm. or supporters, if you if you feel like you've not planned enough for something, you will you will never really plan enough. You can never plan enough for anything. The best thing I did looking back with Yisman was just jump in and learn from experience. I feel that I made much more progress by holding eight conferences, even if some of them were very small, because I learned through those experiences mm -hmm. compared to if I had held two conferences that I spent months and months planning meticulously and doing this. And mm -hmm. so there's two very different types of knowledge. School teaches us to focus on the explicit knowledge, the knowledge gained from learning, from studying. But what's much harder and much riskier, honestly, to pursue is that experiential knowledge, that implicit knowledge of knowing like how to communicate the leadership team, how to resolve issues in a way that everyone will feel um, that everyone will trust in, how to earn people's trust, how to build relationships mm -hmm. when all you have is a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection to someone across the world. Those are the things that I would have told myself to focus on more so than the planning aspect. I also would advise really to keep friend groups and professional relationships separate. Um, there was mm -hmm. initially a point when I was planning Yesman and wanting to start an international Model UN conference with a group of friends I'd met in India. And 
they at the time were my only connection really outside of the US. And so to me, at first it made sense to reach out and say, let's plan a Model UN conference together. But it was me and then their entire friend group. And just the politics, mm -hmm. the group dynamics of it were not very good. It was, mm -hmm. it was a very difficult environment to solve problems in because you constantly feel as though you're, you're choosing between a friend relationship and a professional relationship and debating things and debating expectations. Everyone clearly came into that with very different expectations. And mm -hmm. it's also difficult when you have a group of like five people who are already friends the other people are not included and are not um, and are not really part of that leadership team. The same goes mm -hmm. for other Model UN conferences I've seen just on Instagram, just in partnering with other MUN conferences where their leadership team does not reflect their values of their organization. Um, for example, mm -hmm. there are several conferences that um, advertise themselves and say that oh, we are an international conference, we welcome students from all over the world, but they, their success was very limited because their leadership team would all be from one particular country. Um, mm -hmm. Many of these students already knew each other from school, um, from like local MUN conferences or through like professional networks. And it might have, it makes it easier initially to start when you're with a friend group, but it's not very good for longevity of organizations. So looking back, I felt so much better about YESMAN. And YESMAN also improved as a conference. It benefited more students. When I transitioned to only professional relationships and only working mm -hmm. with people I had met through Model UN, because those were people that yeah. you were bonding with through that professional connection, right? You could be very clear about what was expected. You could discuss the goals for the conference and then move on and build a relationship from there. And it's so mm -hmm. great to see what comes out of that because that leads you to people with common interests, common goals, ambitions, and work ethics. And you end up making lifelong connections and friends in areas that you're genuinely interested in. And you are definitely an example of that. Shizula, you are someone I met through yeah. this one and now we're recording yeah. a podcast together. So that is definitely <laughs> the biggest yeah. thing. Oh my gosh, yes. I think that that's definitely something that I've struggled with as well, feeling that I had to sort of, even when I started out career, I felt that I had to reach out to people who I knew already, which isn't bad. I mean, it's, it's a different situation for everyone. But personally, I also had the same experience with you where I found that maybe the, the people I had reached out to felt like maybe they were doing me a favor or were not as invested in the idea as I was. And now we have a team of, we're a small team, we have a team of four volunteers of people who you can see that they understand what Kuraria stands for and what we are trying to do and how we're trying to educate young people on the SDGs, on creating impact and making impact through small actionable um, actionable steps. And I think it would have been very different if I hadn't like opened up and reached out to other people or listened to like other people reaching out to me saying they wanted to be a part of the project. So yeah, that's definitely a point that I'm reminded about and I'm taking note of, and I hope other people are taking note of as well. So yeah, thank you so much, Taryn, for that for that answer. Um, okay, so now I know that you, Simone, as you are in college, okay, by the way, Taryn is in Harvard, 
humble brag that's a huge deal <laughs> i know that you are in college now and it's a bit difficult to run yes moon and and handle like your college life and everything but do you have any future plans for you smoon going forward or are you looking at doing something different because okay beyond yes moon being a model united nations conference you mentioned i think in one of the first questions you answered that you also adapted and noticed that people were really really wanted to know more about that like careers and um, applying for stuff applying to college and stuff like that so you try to include um workshops career workshops and actually i think i I remember speaking at one of the workshops it was on mental health so that was very interesting for me as well but you went beyond model united nations and also looked at the possibility of educating um gen z the gen z generation gen z students on global issues or personal issues that they might have or things that would help them further their careers or their student life so is there Okay, I think I've spoken a lot, but I just wanted to ask you that there are any future plans to expand on any of the ideas for Yusmoon or Yusmoon itself? <laughs> That's a fantastic question, and it's something I've been considering over the past two years while in college, thinking, how can I keep the benefits of Yusmoon going for students, even if I don't have the capacity, the capability to do it myself? And so I've come to the answer that... Um, you know, over this fall semester, I've been working on um, opening applications and interviewing a few students um, from anywhere in the world, whoever's interested, to take on like a, a primary leadership role in Yismun. I think that really continues um, not only the MUN, the career workshop, the international nature, but really the core value that I have through Yismun, which was to lift up students who are ambitious, who want leadership experiences, mm -hmm. and to build their resume to help further their success in the future. So I want to pass off this leadership opportunity to other students and see where they take it. That's mm -hmm. my plan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And again, if you're a student and you're listening, I think, I don't know, is it possible for people to reach out to you if they're interested in Yismun or anything that's going on? Or is there a place where they could apply for leadership positions? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. So there is an application link on our Instagram, which you can find by looking up Youth International Summit on Instagram. That will be the link in our bio. Um, and I can also forward the application link to you, Chizu, so you can share it with anyone who might reach out to you but not have mm -hmm. my contact information. Um, and I'll also put it on my LinkedIn because people can access yeah. LinkedIn pretty easily. So yeah, check there if you're interested. I'll be accepting applications for like the next month or so um, and open for all leadership positions. So go for it. Nice, nice. So um, we'll definitely like put that on our website as well so that people could, even if they don't want to like um, apply for a leadership position now, they could definitely like keep like have an idea of like what use moon is and just keep up to date on the activities of use moon but okay so my first proper introduction to like international development i did something when i was a teenager when i was 16 i started something called teens for change which was an advocacy group focused on like empowering teenagers to impact society and we did two great initiatives from that but when i got into universities when i really 
got exposed to the model United Nations world. And I still do model United Nations now in some way. I'm staff of an international model United Nations conference. So I understand the importance of MUNs and I know the impact that it's had, my understanding of global issues and what people can do to sort of solve these global issues and understanding of sustainable de- of the sustainable development goals and things like that. So I know that it's, it has really impacted my life, which is definitely one of the reasons why I applied to be staff of Yeast Moon back in, I think, 2020, 2021. But why did you think it was so, why do you think MUNs are so important? Like what impact has it had on you? And I'm sure like, I assume that it's important because you started one of the first like online model United Nations conferences. So I assume that it's important, but why do you think um, young people should get involved with model UN? That's a fantastic question. And it's something that I answer all the time because I, I do staff a lot of model UN conferences here at Harvard. Um, those are, that has been kind of what, I've invested my time into after Yisman because they're much shorter commitments. It's only for a specific conference weekend. And it also allows me to network and meet other Harvard students interested and students around the world too. Mm -hmm. So I would say that Model UN has two primary like areas of benefit. You have the personal benefit and like the societal benefit. Um, Both are very good reasons for doing it in my opinion. on a societal level, Model UN is just incredible because it is one of the only environments that fosters dialogue, it fosters disagreement, it fosters it fosters dissent. And I think that is a culture that is crucial mm-hmm. to build up, especially in the 21st century when we're constantly surrounded by social media, by news, by um, different opinions, politicians, and ideas where you have to take a step back and consider where is this coming from? What is the purpose of this argument? How can I see this from another person's perspective? And just reconsider different ideas, kind of um, take a more critical and more thoughtful approach to everything, to really everything, but especially to your education and to your career. So I think I would say that's a huge region, uh, a Mm -hmm. huge reason. And also socially, I think it brings together people from very diverse backgrounds into this fantastic community of students. Um, No matter where people are from, how old they are, how much experience they are, what they're interested in, I have found that every student who attended Yisman had one thing in common. And I guess it's it's more than one thing, but they had um, ambition, they had the work ethic, and they had the openness, the outgoing nature to bond with those other students mm-hmm. and to work together on issues. And I think the world can always use a little bit more of that. Now, that's on a societal yeah. level. On a personal level, this is something people talk a little less about, but this is a reason that I think every student should get involved with Model UN at some point in your life. So Model UN gives you some very important skills for any career, the primary one being public speaking. Model UN is so great for public speaking because it introduces it in this approachable, easy to understand format. You have a speech, you have something you're expected to say, and your only job is to go up and present that speech. That can be very difficult if you have social anxiety or if you don't like public speaking or if you're new to Model UN. But over time with this practice, you are able to kind of 
absorb the structure and you feel more certain, you feel sure, and you kind of adopt the perspective, the representation of this country that you're assigned to. And so it's not so much the attention on you, it's the attention on delegate of mm -hmm. Argentina. And you can use that kind of proxy confidence building to then become a person who can approach public speaking knowing that they've done it before, knowing that they can succeed on any level in any career. Um, so public speaking and also diplomacy, communication, teamwork skills, those mm -hmm. are generally um, fantastic outcomes of Model UN personally. It's also a great way to gain leadership experience. That was a primary benefit I wanted to give students through Yisman, was just giving them something mm -hmm. to put on their resume. I mean, one of the reasons I started it was because spring of 2020, was the year I was applying to colleges. And I knew that in fall 2020, I would be applying to Ivy League schools, I would be applying mm -hmm. to scholarships, I would be applying to state schools and honors programs. And spring and summer were my last chances to put everything on my college application that I could. And I know that the pandemic put many students in a similar position um, where it was harder than ever to find things that really represented their interests, their accomplishments and their abilities. So use Model UN as much as you can to demonstrate your leadership skill, your commitment, your work ethic. Go for those leadership positions. Go for that best delegate. Go for that you know, founder of a conference, executive director. Get as much as you can out of it because that has been fantastic for me. On that same note, use it to build a network. Model UN is an incredibly social and um, mm -hmm. like group work, like teamwork kind of structured um conference and operation just in general just add by nature model un is a community-based thing and i cannot tell you how many students how many people i know around the world now who will grow up to become professional connections in incredibly competitive careers um who i met in model un and yeah. use that to network use that to build your professional connections and then lastly um, Model UN also just has great travel opportunities. Um, use it to go explore somewhere, to do something fun with your friends. My favorite part about mm -hmm. Harvard Model UN is that we get to travel. Um, I get to run conferences in Dubai and in India. Um, and it's something that's super exciting well, for me. Mm -hmm. And so just take whatever opportunities you have through Model UN, travel, meet people, build your own skills, build your resume, and have fun with it. Yeah. This I mean, obviously, there are many advantages and benefits of Model UN. And you even said, like, a lot of things that I knew, like, were benefits of MUN, but it didn't really click. But to your point on public speaking, I am, like, I guess a testament to how, like, to improved public speaking skills because I know that when I was in university I had a really hard time like speaking in front of large audiences like as you mentioned social anxiety just like being shy and nervous and all of that and I remember like my first model UN conference where I had to speak and I was in ECOSOC which is like a larger committee my first model United Nations conference where I had to speak I was so nervous like I had written out my speech and once I gave like the first speech, like I started doing like the second speech, third speech, fourth speech, fifth speech, and I didn't even write anything down. So it just shows you like when you get over that initial fear, like everything just falls in place, especially for public speaking. And as you said, one other thing that I want to mention is how Model UN sort of 
fosters like healthy debates and at its core model UN um, supports diplomacy so I think it's such a good opportunity for you to understand other countries other countries values policies and sort of see where they're coming from and try to understand how that relates to you personally and how you can respect like other people's cultures and values and yeah i think model united nations is such a good opportunity for students to learn to meet new people as you said to travel to just honestly gain a lot of um skills that you wouldn't necessarily think that you need while being a student but that would show up when you get into your career, when you start working and all of that. So yeah, thank you very much for answering that question as well, um, Taryn. So as I mentioned earlier, Kuraria means change. And I'd like you to just tell us how you think people can make a change in their communities. Um, of course, especially as it relates to education, but beyond that as well, how do you think young people, youth can create positive social impact? Well, that's definitely a huge goal and a really good question. It's a question that I think everyone who does Model UN asks themselves is how can I create change? How can I create this social impact? Um, and the truth is there's no one way to do it. Yeah. Like how do you take it beyond Model United yeah. Nations? Um, I would suggest that when if you want to create change, start by looking and reflecting on your own resources. What do you have that you can use to get started today? For me, I wanted to create change and bring students together. My resources were a laptop, my mm -hmm. desk in my bedroom, internet connection, and a passion for Model UN. And that's what I started with. And you can turn very simple resources into something that is bigger than you ever imagined. Um, look at what, what does your community have? What does your family have? What connections do you have? Where do you have friends around the world? What are your interests, your passions, your skills? What could you teach people about? How can you find an mm -hmm. audience for that? And you start small with these resources and then it gets bigger. And the larger your platform is, the more change you can create simply yeah. by spreading awareness. I mean, like Yisman did start out with Model UN, but like you mentioned, we had workshops on mental health and public speaking. That was a change I was able to implement and some an impact I was able to make mm -hmm. because I had built that platform from Model UN and could reach thousands of students about it. So my biggest advice for starting change would be to start small, to start with the resources you have and to tell as many people as you can to spread your your interests, your passions, and see what you get back from the world and go from there. Thank you so much, Taryn. Um, I think that you even answered the next question I wanted to ask about like the winning formula for any young person that wants to make change, but you summarized it very well. Start small and start with what you have and um, reach out to as many people as you can build a community of people who are also passionate about your ideas. So yeah, I think that that's definitely a good tip for any young person who is struggling with making impact or with starting their impact project or who is even maybe just a bit scared 
to start their impact project. So yeah, thank you for that. Okay, so we always ask this question again. I think I've said this like three times now <laughs> about how Queria means change. <laughs> but what do you think changes? Like what does change mean to you? For us, change is the little things that you do to achieve like a bigger goal, whether it's recycling at home or educating someone you know about gender equality and why we need to have an equitable world or educating yourself even about global issues and how you can help. But what does change mean to you? I think to me, change means looking back at your accomplishments, at your impact, at your work over time and having that emotional reaction to what where you were in the past and where you are now. Um, just, you know, that feeling you get when you look back at a project you were working on three years ago, maybe, or even this time last year, mm -hmm. that felt so difficult at the time that you just felt like you couldn't get through it. There were many times when I felt like Yisma would never be successful. We would never get enough people. We would never have like a successful conference. Um, and now I look back at the organization two years ago and I think about, um, wow, like I can't believe I, um, we started with maybe 12 countries and now we've come to 120. I never could have imagined that we would get here. And so I think change is, something that you realize after it's happening. It's very hard to realize yeah. while it's ongoing, but you look back and you realize that you are a different person. Your impact is a different impact. Your team, the environment you create are all different than they once were a month ago, a year ago, even 10 years ago. And I think that's something that's personally very inspiring to me because it makes me think, well, a year from now, 10 years from now, I'm going to be looking back at where I was now and think, wow, like, I can't believe that, you know, that was only the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it just shows that you need to keep persevering and you need to keep going, even when things get difficult, even when it feels like you're the only person that cares, that cares about an idea or a project, even when you haven't found like-minded people who are as passionate about your project as you are like when you look back in as you said even just a few months a year from now two years from now 10 years from now seeing how much you've achieved in that time would definitely be enough inspiration for you to keep going and keep making impact yeah thank you so much Taryn for that um okay so a bit about you what are your future plans? Because as I mentioned earlier, you're in Harvard and you mentioned that you're studying economics and East Asian studies, if I'm not mistaken. But what what plans do you have for yourself beyond East Moon? And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my hope is to graduate Harvard with a degree in economics, a degree in South Asian studies, and a minor in environmental science. I think it's really interesting, and it, it goes great to study that with economics, and also a citation in Arabic, something I've really gotten to explore more in college is my passion for language learning. So I've taken classes in Hindi, and Urdu, and in Arabic. Um, I hope to finish all of those at the advanced level at Harvard before I graduate. We'll see if that happens. But um, it's really been some of my favorite classes. After I graduate, I hope to 
go to the workforce for maybe two to three years, I'm interested in looking at economics specifically applied to like corporate social responsibility and social entrepreneurship. I would love to explore this mm-hmm. like through a larger company, either with investment or consulting. And I really feel as though this would give me a strong foundation for like a later career in entrepreneurship and running my own business. Um, I also hope to go to business school after working for a few years. So we'll hopefully pursue my MBA. And then after that, I see myself running my own company, hopefully an international one where I can keep making connections with people and working in places around the world. So that's the plan Mm -hmm. right now. We'll see what happens. Yeah, with with what you've achieved with you, Simone, I think those are definitely goals that you can definitely achieve and surpass. So I'm very excited to see all that you do and all that you achieve. I would like to know, or how can people connect with you and how can people connect with you, Simone? Like maybe people, if you're comfortable, of course, maybe people want to reach out to you to find out how they could collaborate with you or with you, Simone. How can people connect with you and you, Simone? Of course, yeah, I'm always happy to connect with people and to um, to connect over as like anything from career goals to Yisman to questions. I would suggest using LinkedIn. That's a profile I check pretty often and we can also see what experiences we share, what we're interested in. Um, my username mm-hmm. is Taryn M. Riddle. You can just look that up and you should see Yisman pop up on there somewhere. You'll see my picture. Um, but yeah, just connect with me on Yisman on LinkedIn. Sorry, connect with me on LinkedIn. And please feel free to reach out, message me about anything. Um, college does keep me pretty busy, but I'll do my best to get back to you. And like I mentioned earlier, applications for Yisman leadership and moving forward with the organization, that will also be in my LinkedIn. It will be on the Yisman Instagram, and I will email that to you as well, Chizuru. Thank you. Okay. I will definitely put that on my social media as well. And of course, on our Kuraria social media and Kuraria pages. Final question. <laughs> so we always ask this question. Um, it's, it's like an open-ended question. So feel free to like state anything that you are enjoying now or you're loving now. But what would you, what are your like top three or more recommendations right now? So it could be a book, it could be a website, maybe a podcast, maybe someone you follow. It could even be like a quote, anything really. But what are top three recommendations that you think people should definitely look into or get involved with right now? Wow, that's a good question. Um, It's a very hard decision to narrow down just three. Oh my gosh. Um, Okay, my recommendation number one, for anyone who is interested in economics, business, United Nations, even just Model UN, there's a documentary on Amazon Prime. I think it's on YouTube also, you can find it. It's called Poverty Inc., like Poverty I-N-C. And it is such a fascinating, well-made, well-directed documentary Mm -hmm. about poverty in the 21st century and why NGOs and nonprofits are not always a good solution, why foreign aid is not a good solution, Mm -hmm. and why in an era of such advanced technology and incredible human advancements, why we still struggle with poverty Mm -hmm. and with difficulty in providing for everyone on the planet. Um, There are very specific systemic issues and that 
documentary is something that really kind of impacted my worldview and my approach mm -hmm. to business, economics, entrepreneurship, everything. So look up Poverty Inc. and watch that documentary for sure. Um, another book that I really recommend is um, this one is for for female students specifically. Um, it is by Sheryl Sandberg and the book is called, I'm actually looking up the name right now. Let's see. There it is. Okay. So a book I really recommend for any woman interested in leadership, whether that's in the medical field and politics, government, law, engineering, STEM, anything mm -hmm. at all, read the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. So Sheryl Sandberg was one of the primary like, leadership officers at Facebook for several years. And mm -hmm. she dealt with a lot, of, a lot of issues and a lot of sexism, not only yeah. from men, but from other women that she worked with. And so she described how small behavior habits and small mindset changes can make a world of difference mm -hmm. in leadership in a world that does not always support women in leadership. So read the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Um, mm -hmm. And then my last recommendation is, this is a bit of a general one, but be spontaneous, like travel as much as you can, um, take trips with your friends, even if it's just to a different part of the city or get a hotel for the night mm -hmm. or go um, take a road trip to a different state. Or if you have an opportunity to travel somewhere, anywhere, take that opportunity because you never know how many chances you'll get. You'll never know how long you'll be able to travel for. You never know when the next pandemic comes and everything is shut down and you just make the most of life that you can while you have it. So that's, mm -hmm. that's my top three. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so important. Thank you so much, Taryn. I think that's, that last point is definitely important because we, we have just one life. So you definitely need to explore as much as you can, learn as much as you can interact with as many people as you can so yeah thank you so much for those three recommendations i'll definitely be checking out poverty inc and lean in i think they sound really interesting and very educational as well so yeah thank you so much taryn for your time i know you're busy so i really appreciate you coming here and sharing your knowledge sharing your experiences sharing the lessons you've learned of course thank you so much Hi, my name is Zulu. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. I know I learned a lot from Taryn and I hope you did too. If you'd like to learn more about Pruaria, check out our website www.pruaria.com and also follow us on social media at ma.pruaria.